Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. And welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic. Rather than making recommendations because everyone's circumstances are different, we talk to subject matter experts about how they would recommend thinking about that decision. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia, which is where we are recording today. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please also consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. Our topic today is, should I enter a business plan contest? And this this topic is is interesting, I think really on the forefront of the minds of many people who are listening to this program, because if nothing else, the, the business plan pitch contest, if you will, has been made famous by ABC Shark Tank. A show which I still have not seen to this day, by the way, um, but I'm familiar with with what it does. Um, and you know, pretty much every city with a venture community of any size has some kind of business plan competition in it. And in Georgia, we've had a number of them. Um, some have come and gone. Some have stayed for the long term. Uh, and there are national b- uh, business plan contests as well. Uh, sometimes alum, uh, alumni groups of universities hold them. I know Georgetown University, my graduate alma mater has them. Um, uh, venture firms sometimes hold them as a way of generating deal flow. Business incubators often have them. And, you know, to, to do one right to be a participant, it is a time consuming, uh, exercise. And in fact, I've, I've been assigned teams when I've coached and mentored them through the programs and we'll get, one or two weeks into the process, and they say, "You know what? I, I don't have the time, you know, to do this. I'm I'm out." Um, uh, you know, which is perfectly fine. Rather, you do that on week two than a week before you're supposed to kind of finish the thing. Um, and and so I think it's a fair question to say, you know, why do you put yourself through that? Because the business plan contest has a, a fair amount of of time that you have to invest. Typically, a business plan contest sponsor will have a a mentoring, <coughs> excuse me, or, or training program that leads up to the podcast. I'm sorry, leads up to the, the, the competition itself where they want to make sure the teams are all prepared and that requires some time. And then somewhere along the way, you have a bunch of people that have never met you, that you don't know who they are. And they're in a, pu- they're in a public forum. They're going to ask you tough, invasive questions about your business, right? And it's fair to say, you know, who needs that? Why would I put myself through that? And I admire the people who go on Shark Tank and are willing to do that in front of an audience, television audience of 30 million people, even though we know a lot of that stage. It's basically WWE for business, but anyway. Um, but I have a couple of people here who have not been through the WWE version. They have been through at least one business plan contest, and I had the privilege of being there of being their coach and they were successful enough to overcome my coaching and winning that contest, which was the tag, uh, uh, business tag GRA business launch contest back in 2016 or 2017, I'm trying to remember the year. I think it's 2016 now. Um, 
And so joining us are Corey Hewitt and Evan Jarecki, who are co-founders of Gimme Vending. Gimme transforms the way companies service micromarkets, vending, and grocery by automatically identifying products, their placement and inventory levels, using computer vision verified by humans. Gimme, Gimme software and wireless hardware eliminate errors and manual effort from warehouse staff and route drivers. Gimme empowers route drivers to focus on delivering amazing customer experiences and operators to focus on cash accountability, inventory tracking, and machine status data. Gimme solutions prevent stockouts, accelerate warehousing and restocking, and streamline product planning. For more information, visit www.vending.ai or connect with Gimme on Twitter, on Twitter at GimmeVend. Uh, Corey and Evan both are graduates of Georgia Tech and both worked at Gulfstream Aerospace before creating Gimme Vending, and maybe we'll get some of that background uh, in the interview today. Uh, but we have some work to do in terms of covering this topic, so... Corey and Evan, thanks for coming on the program. Hey, thank you, Mike, and good thanks, to see you Mike. again. So you are looking well, and you've had some pretty good success since we last worked together closely, and I'm very happy for you. So let's go back to sort of that, what I think was was something of a turning point for you guys, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. <laughs> you know, Talk about the business plan contest you won sort of at a high level. You know, What was it, and why did you decide that you wanted to take take part in it? So we were back when we were getting involved with uh, just starting the business, we were trying to get more involved with the Atlanta community and learn uh, what were ways that Gimme could uh, continue to, to get exposure and who, who could we meet through that process. Uh, and the Technology Association of Georgia was one of those, um, one of those places that was, seemed like they were everywhere. Uh, the Business X, la- the business launch competition. That's a good idea. Business X, business launch, X launch competition. There we go. Business yeah. Radio X launch competition. There we go. So if you want to have a business launch competition through Business Radio <laughs> X, just just send an email to info at businessradiox.com. We'll get right on that. That's go right. Ahead. No, it was um, when we decided to, to go for this competition, the business launch, uh, we made it our total team effort. This was everything for us when we first got involved with the opportunity. Well, it's certainly attractive to consider working on the business competition because it came with a quarter million dollars worth of prize money and services, 50,000 in non-dilutive cash. That's important to a startup that's Mm -hmm. just getting off the ground. And then another 200,000 in products and services that we'd be able to use to benefit the business as well. Uh, And like you mentioned before, we had to balance that against this idea that we if we if we want to have a real business, at the end of the day, uh, these types of things won't give you a business. Great products, great customers. Focusing on those two things is what build a business. The business competition, though, maybe gives you the fuel in the car to take you to where you need to go, or at least maybe mm-hmm. get you there a little quicker. So the idea of cash, the idea of services, and the idea of credibility and some exposure within the Atlantic community we thought could be very, very valuable. So like Evan said, once we decided that we were going to do it, uh, we went all in that we were going to focus and put everything into it to maximize our probability of success to winning the competition. So you get in. I forget how many companies there were. I think at the outset there were something like 30 companies. Um, at what point did you start to think you might win? Or did you think you would win day one? 
we, I don't think we thought we were going to win day one. Right. Uh, we knew that we were going to try really hard to become a winner in the program, but there were a lot of rounds. So I remember the first <laughs> round, uh, Evan and I hadn't really done an elevator pitch before or had to go on stage to pitch our business, but the one time when we were leaving Georgia Tech and we, and we pitched it to the community there. So we hadn't done it in a televised or a WWE setting or even in front of just a, an audience of people that didn't include at least a couple friendlies. <laughs> and so uh, the first round was a couple hundred businesses, and it was more of an informal dinner meet and greet where you had to talk yes, to different investors yes. and judges who were there. You had to go find them. They would write down how you were doing, and if, if you made an impression, they wrote your name down after you just gave them the cocktail hour uh, elevator pitch of the business. Then you got to make it past that. 300 round to maybe the top uh, 30 round. I didn't know that. Yeah, that it was, is it was wild. a speed dating round. Yeah. That is wild. A couple hundred. So long, uh, the, the couple days leading up to it, and even in the car driving over there, I remember uh, in the car driving over there, we took what we had written. We we're like, it's all wrong. We have to redo it. Let's, uh, let's redo our elevator pitch. And uh, getting there and, and talking to judges, and, and you asked, you know, did we know that we were going to win? Uh, our answer to that is no, but we tried hard. And it wasn't until that. That very last night, the very final round, we still had no idea, you know, mm-hmm. is this going to, you know, was all this effort for not or is it going to turn into something? And uh, I remember the moment where we had made it to the top two and it was me and Stanley Virgilis of another great company called Hux. And we came out there with with a lot of theatrics. We had uh, worked with the art department at the SCAD studio where we were presenting. We had sound. We had uh, rented this very expensive high-motion camera to capture the, our competitor's product exploding. Mm-hmm. So that happened on stage. We showed that yep. big screen yep. video of the product exploding. We came out with high energy, high theater, and did the best possible pitch we came uh, or that we could when, while we were there. And Stanley came out with a very different approach. Complete opposite. Complete yep. opposite. And – his performance was so strong that as soon as I left the stage and saw his, it was, you know, I felt good about what we had done. It was the best job we could do. But then when I saw his and the radically different approach, up until the moment that they unveiled the check to, to say who won, it was, it was not clear. Right. So let, let me follow up on that experience, even though it's, it's not in our, our script. But, you know, you may, in the final four, you may remember another company had gone on and they had banked on video and it, it failed. Failed. Right? Do you remember mm-hmm. that? And uh, did that make you at all nervous about what was going to happen with you guys, or were you so tight you didn't even think of it? You just knew it was going to work. No, we uh, we knew it was a risk. One of our uh, another mentor of ours warned us. You know, you never do live demos. Yeah, I think uh, it was through the coaching and the practice that had us try to maximize for uh, a more guaranteed success with the presentation style, and so that was one of those pieces avoiding it and you know and and i think that's a i think that's a good lesson though is that you know mentors and coaches are just that right they're not your boss they're not your mom they're not your board of directors at the end of the day it's your company right and if you're gonna take a risk you're gonna take a risk and look especially at that time you were in a a risky business as a startup right so i can see from a certain perspective you know, look, we're already here. We're already here. We're already living with risk on a day-to-day basis. Why are we going to stop now, right? Right. Is that yeah. is that a fair way to kind of characterize it? I think it's a risk-reward oh, yeah. thing. We knew that there was going to be risk. Uh, the more things that we introduced that we didn't have total control over, like uh, we avoided a live demo that relied on a cellular connection because those can go down. And, and since we violated that rule and it's burned us, so it's 
-hmm. It's a rule for a reason. You know, if you rely on cellular and you do a live demo, it could go poorly. So we had made sure that everything that we were showing was at least local. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the, the reward for us is if it played correctly and we had tested it before in the theater to make sure that it would, but we knew that if we got it to play correctly, that the value that it would generate for the audience would hopefully help them, uh, get that emotional feeling of what we were trying to do in our space. And, uh, maybe it's helpful for the audience. Before we got involved, the technology in our space was really, really old. And the people who were forced to use it had so much pent up frustration that when they got to watch the competitor's product explode, it, you could see them light up. And it, 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 maybe if we were back in the horse and buggy days and you hated your buggy after a while and you got to watch it just get set on fire and replaced with a car, you'd be like, this is great. And, uh, we knew that if we could create that emotional response for our audience, our customers, and if that appealed to the judges as well, then we thought it would be worth the risk of, you know, maybe the chance of a tech error. And it, it I feel terrible for the guy that, uh, that tried to do the live demo and it didn't work for him because, you know, there are, they're kind of like us, you know, they're working hard to make it work and nobody wants their demo not, not to work. And, yeah. and they were doing well up until that. Absolutely. Up until that point, yeah. right? They're, they're a very strong competitor. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, that, that emotional component, I, I think, I think is really important on, on two levels. You know, it is tried and true. It reminds me of, of the Macintosh commercial from years and years and years ago where they smashed a, uh, smashed a PC mm-hmm. in the middle of a commercial, right? And the whole Macintosh value proposition was, you know, the, the PC is just designed to frustrate you, right? And the Macintosh is not, right? But everybody wanted to take a sledgehammer to their PC, every single person, <laughs> except for maybe somebody working at Microsoft wanted to do that. And I think you sort of captured on that. And then, you know, second, it seems to me, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, you know, you can only educate an audience so much about your business, right? And, and you know, preventing stockouts and vending machines and now at the retail level, it's, it's a great business, right? But it's not the kind of thing that you go to the Thanksgiving table and everybody gets all fired up about. It's not like you're hey, making Corey, call of, inventory you're control making, going. That's right. You're not making call of duty, right? Right. So, right. Um, so, but if you can connect on that emotional level, mm-hmm. right, everybody gets it. And you don't even have to be in the business. If you've just ever been frustrated by technology, your laser printer didn't work, your Wi-Fi crapped out, you get it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really helped. I think that one other sp- special component that was, I, th- I think, our uh, secret sauce to the presentation was probably bringing a customer on stage, um, this was something a, l- a little bit later in the, the practicing and the presentation style where we actually were able to include our first customer as a part of the presentation midway through the, the numerous stages. But along the way, that, that set us apart um, and, you know, we think had, had led to some of the success and the understanding from the audience that this is a real opportunity and this customer has helped us understand exactly what Gimme does. I think that was very dramatic. I don't think I've ever seen that done in a pitch before. Yeah. And, you know, in the minds of all of those, uh, of those judges, whenever they're looking at those companies, okay, it's great what technology they have. Is there actually a market for it? And the fact that you brought the market with you on the stage, I think was, <laughs> I, I think, I think that won it for you, frankly. I mean, the video was great. And I think that, that got you to the top two. But but the customer that was saying, yeah, I'm buying this and it's going to save my business. Uh, h- how do you sort of say no to that? And I'm sure the other competitors are like, we should have done that. <laughs> they look at their coaches like, why did you tell us to do that? Um, 
So you know, other than, than kind of the speed dating part, what, what parts surprised you about the process, if anything? I, I think the, the biggest surprise were the different changes that needed to be make, made throughout each round. Round one was a speed dating uh, with 300 companies, very quick pitches, um, nothing, no presentation, just you uh, verbalizing it. Um, round two was a an eight-minute pitch, mm-hmm. I think it was. Eight minutes right before St. Patrick's right Day. Right before, on St. Patrick's on Day, St. I Patrick. think it was. That's right, we were great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was, um, that was an eight minute pitch and, um, there was an audience involvement in that one. Uh, and then it moved to a 20 minute pitch and that was where we brought in the customer and that was in front of the, the theater in the auditorium. And then from there was the final four, which was a three minute, um, solo CEO founder pitch. It was changing and preparing for each of those. That was a big surprise for us. Each not just one was one. different. Each so was you, different. And you had to make it through the screening round of each one. So it required so much creativity. You couldn't right. just reuse the same presentation. Oh, you know, we'll just, you know, dress it up or make some tweaks. It was brand new every mm-hmm. single time to appeal to a different, uh, within a different environment, different audience, uh, different levels of theater and energy, at least in our case, bring the customer on stage. So each one right. required its own set of problem solving. Uh, the other thing that surprised me, not just the rounds, was, uh, if you will, a little bit of the stress mm. uh, and the time consumption. So we knew, you know, with your help, you're like, hey, I'd rather you quit right away than at the end. I think we got the same advice back then, too, uh, because this is going to be really tough. So we knew it was going to be tough and time consuming. And when we got into it, it was tough and time consuming. And it still was a surprise how much we were spending right. uh, in time. And then the stress, I remember the eight minute on the St. Patrick's Day, it stuck out to me. Because I got up there to start speaking and, uh, you know, young in your career with public speaking, I made it up to the stage and my tongue got so dry I couldn't form words. I'm just trying to make noises with this <laughs> stick of sandpaper in my mouth and uh, I'm watching the timer go down. I'm just you, like physically I, I lacked the ability to speak properly and just trying to force my way through it. Uh, so the stress was just a little bit surprising. And uh, I think that you'll get that on your entrepreneurship journey, no matter who you are or what the circumstances, you'll go through that too. But that was a bit of a surprise. Hmm. Okay. And is there a part that you thought was the hardest to address? Was it the stress? Was that the hardest part of the, the time you had to put in? Or was there something else that thought was that stood out as a challenge of being a participant in something like this? Well, I think Corey had mentioned this in the beginning was the focus of putting as a business owner, putting everything into the, your customers and your product. And because of the time consumption, it was he- highly distracting towards being able to focus on product and on customers because there were days that would go by where the entire day was spent preparing for the next presentation or just creating the slide deck or whatever it might have been. Uh, and that can distract from the main goal and sometimes just be challenging to say that the purpose that, you know, why we're in this competition is for customers, is for the business. And just kind of reassuring that even though you may not be developing or making that, that very next feature in the moment, it still serves a very important purpose. So it's just making sure that balance was, was maintained between both throughout the time. And I want to stop and highlight that because I yeah. think that's very... I think that's very important and very instructive that uh, if, if you walk into this process thing that's going to be kind of be this side gig that you spend a couple hours a week, 
you're not going to be very successful. You'll probably be eliminated in the first round. Certainly are, are unlikely to win. And I didn't realize this. You really took the the perspective. This was not a side gig. This is a in a this is part of executing your business, right? Right. And the fact that you are willing to take whole days off from the quote core operations of your business to pursue that exercise, I did not know that. And I but and I think that if you're listening to this and you're, you're thinking about being in this kind of uh, this kind of program and you have designs of being successful. You know, are you in a position to make that kind of commitment? Because right. if you aren't, you know, maybe this isn't the right time to do it. I think so. I, I think that's a very important bullet, and uh, that's okay to do too. Right through yeah. that exercise, we've become pretty selective yes. in what we choose to do because we can lose a competition and win at the business, but winning at the competition does not necessarily guarantee in any way that. You're going to win at business. So right. you have to focus on the business first. And, and if you do take a day or two days or three days off for the competition, you have to keep in mind it's in many ways a vanity. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't change your core business. It won't make your customers happier necessarily. And your product won't be any more mature or better tested or better evolved at the end of the process. But you had a goal of starting to build a network and starting to get your name out there, right? And exactly. I think that was part of the justification that I mean, yeah, you also wanted the, the the money and the prize. We'll get to that mm-hmm. in a second, but you know, you're you're you were students at Georgia Tech at the time, or recently graduated. Uh, myself, recent recently graduated. Okay, yeah, I appreciate the intro at the beginning, but I <laughs> actually left uh, with a couple classes left my senior year to found this company. Oh, so I didn't know that. I'm not a graduate of Georgia yeah. Tech. The I'm secret a, is out. I'm a <laughs> yeah, senior year dropout of Georgia Tech that left to pursue this. I went full time. Mm-hmm. Well, you're like a bunch of other loser dropouts like Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates. So what did they ever do, right? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll be happy to have you back at your leisure. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, talk- you were bringing up, um, what we had just left Georgia Tech and was yeah. the value going to be that we could get more credibility in addition to the cash and services? And the answer was, we had to be somewhat calculated and we knew that as very junior members of the entrepreneurship community in Atlanta, we'd have to be, uh, willing to spend a little bit more time to get that exposure. Yeah. And, uh, we knew that we were going to have to raise. We're a company that has so- software as well as hardware. So we knew that raising money, fundraising would be on the horizon. And actually the investment and time within the pitch could be recycled just in, uh, benefit and education to young entrepreneurs and all the, uh, materials and presentations we were preparing for these pitches could be recycled in the future uh, outside of the competition as well. And actually consolidating it, getting the mentor help, uh, for instance, from you. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that you did that really helped us out was when you brought together that Shark Tank style other community business Oh, yeah, people. I forgot about right. that. I remember that so well because it gave us that raw critical feedback that mom and dad and friends and even people that you know in the community may not be willing to tell you, oh, yeah, that's a terrible slide. Oh, no, that I didn't understand you at all. I would never invest in you. I mean, you need that feedback, yep. and uh, and you helped give it to us. So we were able to yeah. make the decision, not just hopefully we win some money, but even, you know, we set out to do our best to win, but even we knew even if we didn't, 
we could recycle that effort and turn it into something positive for the business down the road. I, I forgot about that. And he, you know, even at that point, we've been working together for, I don't know, about 10 weeks or so. Right, right. And by that time as a mentor, I'm starting to drink the Kool-Aid, right? <laughs> which means that my ability to be that effective sounding board on myself was starting to become impaired, frankly. So, you know, that, that probably is a good, a good lesson that, you know, if you're in a program and your, and your mentor isn't setting that up, set that up for yourself, right? Cause if that, your mentor is too nice, that's a problem. It, it can be. <laughs> it can be. So, um, so you receive cash and services and, and, and prizes and, you know, some, I've heard people sort of kind of thumb their nose at $50,000 in cash, but, you know, 50 grand for a startup actually, you can get a lot done with that. Right. Um, that was actually really helped one of our first, full-time employee hires. Really? We'd worked with contractors and part-time, but when you bring on that first FTE, you want to make sure that you don't have a couple weeks of salary in the bank. You want a couple months so that right. you know that you can play this thing You're not out. laying them off in three weeks. Right. <laughs> hey, you're hired. Oh, uh, just kidding. Uh, this is difficult. Thanks no. for everything. There'll be no severance. <laughs> so the the 50000 in cash uh, made a difference to us because we were bootstrapping as hard as we could. You know, as young entrepreneurs at the very beginning of their journey, you're hustling and you're, you're putting everything together that you can and to bring that first person on on board full time that's the difference it made for us along with a couple other things so uh that's what we saw in our mind if if we win this we can earmark the funds to grow the team and uh i don't know if i'm skipping ahead on on Go what ahead. we wanted to talk about or Keep going. speaking unchronologically but that was a big moment for us we we uh we did win the competition that was a proud moment and then we Immediately put up our first job ad for a full-time employee and uh, and brought them on. And that was uh, another huge victory. And that really helped the product and the customers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it turned into something really positive for us. Um, you know, and on the other side, you also won some services. And I've always kind of wondered... How much do people, how much do the winners actually take advantage of the services? You know, I think my firm offered business valuation and somebody's offering legal services, accounting services, I don't know, manicures, many, I, I have no idea. <laughs> um, did you find yourself taking advantage of those? We printed out that Excel spreadsheet and we went down the list and we contacted every yeah. single one and we were going to extract a hundred percent of the value that we could out of it. Right. And it actually turned into some pretty neat relationships that we still have today. At the time, you were working for H-A-N-W. Yep, Aprio now. Yep. Right. We now continue to work with Aprio. Good. Yep. We were able to work with uh, a PR team called mm-hmm. Carabiner. Yep. We work with Carabiner still to this day. Uh, and that was where we had been introduced to them, was from the business launch competition. I saw you were working with them. I'll, uh-huh. I'll go ahead and give them some free advice. I'm a big <laughs> fan of Peter Barron's and Carabiner. So. Yeah. Yeah, we love working with them, and we wouldn't have had that relationship without them participating and and giving their services. And uh, we were able to spread out the dollar amount, so it lasted us about a year mm-hmm. of being able to work with Peter and his team to benefit the company. And I mean, Evan, you're still working with our account rep there pretty much daily, right? Yeah, it's well in, in a week to week basis, but but it, participating in uh, some of the things that we plan for on the day to day. Like uh, most recently, one of the biggest events that we've done was a uh, a live stream product launch. Uh, this was something that Carabiner was heavily involved in and actually participated in person for some of the event planning. So they've the the introduction has been extremely valuable to the growth of our of our team and of our product. One of the services that really stood out was with the management psychology group. 
And no kidding. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. Evan and I probably wouldn't have chosen to do this if we had to pay cash out of pocket to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, but having gone through the experience, now I see that there's a lot of value in this, especially if you're headhunting for a founder level role or an executive level role. Right. But, uh, it was a two day process, two half days where Evan and I went in and they tested all parts of our psychology. They, they had quizzes for intelligence, et cetera, et cetera, to try to see how people would work together. And, uh, I don't think we would have done it because we already knew Evan and I already knew we worked well together because we were great together. And, uh, but we went through the process and it was so fascinating to have it broken down for why that was. And when we got the results back of this management psychology test, Evan and I at the core groups, the, the, the big categories were highly, highly similar. But when they broke it down to the subgroups, the reason why and the little things that make people unique, he and I were extremely dissimilar. So it was like we were, uh, we shared common big goals, but we had lots of compliments where I was weak, he was strong, where he was strong, I was weak. And it played really nicely to, to see how that worked out. And we mm -hmm. wouldn't have got that either, uh, without the, the services. And it's just an example to me that stands out. I still remember it today. Like, how do you work so well with Evan? Like, ah, oh, actually, it's fascinating. I have a, <laughs> I have a diagram that, that shows it. Yeah, we like, kept, we kept the reports that are really, they're really neat. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it was very in depth and, something we've we've kept as uh and i think hold i mean the exact same thing holds true to this day it's it's very interesting and yeah it was a fun it's, experience it's weird how sometimes topics come together right after right after this one we're going to be recording a podcast about executive leadership hmm. basically mm -hmm. from a, another kind of industrial psychology company <clears throat> i may kind of bring that up with them and see kind of what their view is on those kinds of kinds of approaches um one thing that also struck me about when you guys won, you you both had family there, yeah. I think, right? Yes, yes. And both the public pitches, we had family. You did, okay. And I, you know, I've never asked you this question. And it's a little off topic, so if you don't want to answer, we'll edit, we'll edit it out. But you know, was there a sense of kind of validation? You know, when when you, I don't know if you have entrepreneurial families or not. If if you don't, sometimes they're kind of looking leery. You know, you've got this great education. Why aren't you going getting a job? You know, you're Gulfstream. You could have had a great career there, six figures, right? What was was there any kind of kind of validation, maybe to family members that were worried about the risk you took? That this is sort of an external validation that you guys are going to be okay and really onto something, or am I playing Doctor Phil and I should not get in the psychology business? Hmm. I don't know if Evan would share this necessarily, so yeah. I hope you don't mind if I do. Yeah, yeah, go for it. But Evan did have the job lined up when he was graduating, so he'd already accepted the job offer from Gulfstream. He'd already selected his apartment. He was ready to go uh, make that transition in his life when we started talking about Gimme and, and my pitch to him is, hey, we should, you know, work 100 hours a week and, you know, uh, I, we can't pay each other any number of dollars for probably the first year or so. And it would involve you not going down to Savannah and you'd have to quit your job that you haven't started yet and maybe, you know, make sure that your parents are comfortable leaving you on uh, health insurance and stuff a little longer. How does that sound? And, uh, <laughs> I guess it sounded all right. Uh, well, it, 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 I think the way I describe it is that it unlocked a, I had some sort of uh, like limiter on where I thought a career, what, a, what I thought a career meant. And I, I don't think I had ever considered entrepreneurship as a career path until there was an opportunity presented to me and actually think about 
what that could mean. And so it just totally removed the limiter and said, there's no reason not to take this opportunity is what it became. Uh, so I just had to put the pieces together to make it work. So and, I remember when Evan told me, yeah. yeah, I talked to my parents about it. They're a little concerned, but I, you know, they're supportive and they're really good people. So they were supportive, but I could tell that, you know, mom's eyes got real big when she's like, oh, he's, he's quitting the Gulfstream job. <laughs> Right. That he hasn't started yet. That's nice. What's the what's the new salary? What's the plan? Oh, it's, here. it's nothing. Oh. <laughs> Good luck. And, and Right, not another job that pays you. No, it was totally different. So yeah. I remember for them, they were in the audience when we made it through that first round mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. I don't know. The the look on their face and and my parents were there too and I think they were proud, but I know for your parents that was the first entrepreneurship big endeavor that you had done, the big first external validation. Yes. Yes. You could just see the pride and you could see a lot more confidence like, wow, our son is not just, you know, quote unquote, trying to be an entrepreneur, but people believe in him too. And, uh, the next thing happened on that final round, we didn't just invite mom, dad, we invited grandma, grandpa. And then we also invited a couple of our customers and a couple of the other people that have been rooting us along, yep. uh, along the way. Evan, I know you took a valet job uh, went at the very beginning of Gimme to yes. help pay the bills while we're, you know, making the company work. Didn't you invite one of your top valet customers there too? Yeah. Yeah. That may have been my first, um, actually that whole, ex- that experience might've been a, it was a big failure that turned into a really happy valet customer, if you will. Uh, I didn't own, I just worked for the valet company, but, um, there was an experience we had with just a, a car parking situation where, uh, I was able to diffuse the the whole situation. I caused it and I diffused it and they became a really happy, you know, repeat customer. And they actually got involved with what we were working on at Gimme and they participated in, in uh, the tag, the business launch competition as well. So we brought in, yeah, people from kind of everywhere during the uh, first year's journey. I remember that you had a lot of, you had a lot of fans in that room. And when you won, it looked like kind of the ending credits of an episode of Family Feud. Sure. I mean, they just <laughs> sort of swarmed the stage and I thought they're going to put you up on their shoulders, but it was, yeah, it was, it was great to see. Um, have you, have you done anything like that since? Have you been in any other contests or did you just retire after one championship? Quite like that. No, we haven't been yeah. in any multi-round uh, pitch competitions quite like That's that. Uh, and most of it had to do with we extracted a lot of the value that we could. And uh, like we mentioned, a lot of it was getting in front of the right people in addition to the cash and services, getting a name for ourselves in the Atlantic community. And thankfully, it helped us do that. So now I don't know if the uh, reward for doing that again would be uh, as profound or announced uh, pronounced for us. But we have competed in a couple other competitions since uh, uh, like, uh, we, we, well, actually the tag business launch unlocked a couple many opportunities in the area. We were invited to venture Atlanta, uh, one of the, the largest now that, yep. that we've seen and, and participated in. Um, and actually it speaks to uh, this kicked off and falls in right into, in line with us as, as one of our core values. Uh, the number one is fiercely driven to win. That's our top core value in the team. It's our top core yeah. value. And, and it's related to customers and it's related to, uh, making sure that we are, are working for them. But, uh, it also does speak to, uh, the competitive nature of, uh, applying ourselves in, in these areas. So, uh, we do participate in other, uh, contests and competitions. Uh, recently we, we won best B2B startup 
in Atlanta. Um, through Matt had the, a number of good competitors in that category. Great I'll companies in that one. Um, so we we've won and we've lost, but we do par- participate, and when we do, we we look to do a good job. I remember one of the ones that we lost actually right after the tag business yeah. launch competition. We were kind of on a. Uh, a high feeling of wow, we we can if we set our minds to it. Like we how can big get can we done. take this thing? How where can we go? With and it? our very yeah. next big thing that we applied for was actually the first season of Apple's TV show called Planet of the Apps, right? Where they were going to look at uh, software startup founders and how their journey is going. Mm-hmm. And we made it past the first round, and then they unceremoniously dropped us and uh, let us know that we didn't make it past the second round. And so yeah, we're we're trying and failing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to be selective so that we continue to. Uh, keep our top focus on products and customers. But like Evan said, we've just recently been named Atlanta's best B2B startup. We were named uh, recently as well to Atlanta's 50 on fire. Uh, so we're proud of that accomplishment. That was just a couple weeks ago. Uh, within the industry, uh, our team as a whole has been named pros to know. And some of the individuals have been named individually the pro to know on separate years as well. Each one of our products, and we have three now, each one of our products has been named uh the number one product in vending the years that it's been released. So we're, we're super proud of that as well. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're trying sometimes failing, but we're continuing to try and apply that uh, fiercely driven to win mentality. Well, you know, these, these are, are harder to win. You know, it's not like a basketball game. It's more like a golf tournament, mm. right? Basketball game, you have one opponent, that's it, right? But when you have to beat a field, right? Right. Even the very, even Tiger Woods at his heyday, Right. Only won twenty percent of his tournaments, right? And you know, he arguably the best that ever played. So, you know, I, I think you're doing all right. <laughs> I Thank think you. you're doing just fine. <laughs> so, um, since the competition, tell us the story now. H- how are you guys doing? You obviously won a lot of awards. You're 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 expanding. You guys able to pay yourselves now? You're not. Uh, <laughs> well, you're not, not the public working goal. for free anymore. You're not right. working for free anymore. Right. Good. Good. You have the most up-to-date Macs, I assume. Yeah, uh, we do. You know, the uh, the toolkit we actually advertise as part of our recruiting tool. Everyone gets uh, brand new uh, Apple products to be able to get their job done well. So yeah, we're we're, we're expanding. We have uh, about twenty people on the team now. We've got uh, great offices. Uh, this year, we've just added four one k to our. Uh, suite of benefits. Ah, yeah, you're really growing up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that we have a team culture that has attracted, uh, serious top players. So we're really proud of that accomplishment. I know that maybe people don't speak to those metrics first, but the team of people that we have to work with now is just incredible. Uh, when you're, when you work at it, if you will, alone and then you hire that first one, if you can surround yourself with other people who are willing to match that and just put in so much effort to help the business succeed at, it's something special. It, it, it's a different feeling than when you first start the company. So, uh, that would be my top metric of success is the team right now is just crushing it. And we're so proud of them. Outside of the team as well, we've, uh, we've seen our products and services grow. We started with the one, you know, we, we talked about we exploded our comp- uh, competitors product. Uh, that's how we started. That was one product. But now we've seen it expand from just uh, a field service tool to, you mentioned it at the very beginning. Now we're managing the, uh, products and their inventories for the entire warehouse, the schedules of the people that service them. So our, our software is expanded. And then earlier this year, we announced that we could handle uh, not only an entire warehouse of inventory and field services, but we could do that through computer vision and a neural network uh, uh, training. And to see that start to take off has opened up our customer base from just 
uh, vending operators to now vending operators, micromarket operators, and people uh, who deliver to grocery stores. And mm-hmm. for the first time, that means that now some of our customers are publicly traded and or just thrilled at the growth that we've seen even as recently as this year that's taken us to a new level. So I'm curious to get to that point. Have you raised any outside money or are you still just self-funded? We did raise money. Okay. Uh, after the Tag Business Launch Competition, uh, we raised an angel round. Okay. Uh, we were able to include David Cummings and John Lally, uh, which were introductions that were either directly or indirectly helped, actually, from yep. the competition. Yep. Uh, that's where we raised our first half a million. And since then, we've added a couple other institutional and uh, uh, larger people on our cap table as well. So to date, we've raised just over $2 million. Um, and then our... Uh, we have our sight line to a couple more exciting things in the near future. Very good. So um, I, I promise I wouldn't keep you here too long, so I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, but if, if people are kind of thinking about getting into a competition of their own, they want to know if they should do it or get some advice, can they contact you guys? Yeah, a- absolutely. The uh, best way to reach out to us is first through our website, uh, www.vending.ai, um, and go to our team page there. Uh, you'll see Corey and, and my own, our bios and profiles, and you can get connected with us there. We, we've actually loved participating in the Atlantic community, especially um, as mentors and volunteers and <clears throat> programs we've been a part of in the past. Uh, and then look, of course, for any individuals one-on-one. Uh, Corey will give uh, anyone's pre- slide presentation a, uh, a, a, a good judging, that's for <laughs> sure. And it's worth it. Trust, trust us with, with that one. He's, He's got a knack for it. So, All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Evan Jarecki and Corey Hewitt of Gimme Vending so much for joining us and thank sharing you, their thank expertise you. with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake. Our sponsor is Brady Ware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.